everyone. This is Katie Sackoff from Another Life, and you are listening to the Man Cave Chronicles. Welcome to another episode of the Man Cave Chronicles. Welcome to the party, pal. You're my boy, boo. Yo, Adrian. I A podcast with interviews of amazing guests from the world of pop culture. Oh, yeah. TV. Nice. Movies. Oh, I love the movies. Comedy and more from deep inside the Man Cave. Your host, Elias. Katie, welcome to the cave. Thank you so much for having me. How are you? What's new with you? I'm good. I'm good. Just, um, you know, at home in the middle of a construction site <laughs> <laughs> and um, getting ready to uh, leave and go do another episode of The Flash, actually, this uh, this next week. Oh, so that, it'll be a awesome. nice... Um, yeah, it'll be a nice break from the construction yeah. noise, to be honest. I gotta, yeah. I gotta ask, have you had a day off for the last 20 plus years? <laughs> That's so funny. Um, you know, I would normally tell you no. Um, but this year, waiting for the pickup of the second season of Another Life is the longest I haven't worked in my entire life. Really? Um, and I took, it was an entire year um, mm. about, actually. It'll be a month short of a year purely because of the episode of the flash. So that's the only thing that I've done in this year. So it was one of the reasons why we started the YouTube channel was because I was sitting at home bored. I couldn't work because I'm under contract contractual obligation with Netflix. And so I was looking for a creative outlet so I wouldn't find myself getting depressed or down about the, the lack of work. Wow. Wow. But, but you do need the break once in a while. I do. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's funny. I, I do relax better than a lot of people. I think I like do this very quick relax thing where I can sit on the couch and waste an entire day watching Hallmark movies better than anybody. <laughs> and I feel no shame whatsoever about doing that because I work so hard all the time that for me, that's just like a day off. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So, you know, I, I did a little research on you. And, you know, like I said, everybody knows you from, of course, Battlestar Galactica, The Flash, your new show. Right. And you've done so much. But I want the listeners to get a little bit more know about you. Where are you originally from? So I'm originally from a small town in Oregon called St. Helens. Um, and then my parents moved to Portland when I was about 13. Oh, wow. Well, uh, how, yeah. was, how was it growing up there? It was great. You know, my dad grew up there, too. Um, it was small town living, you know, one yeah. streetlight. And it's bigger now. Um, you know, they put the freeway in, but and it's more of a through city now or town, I guess, rather. But it's um, it was great. You know, we we ran around and got into trouble and didn't come home till dinner time. And, you know, it was a very, very safe um, sheltered existence. Wow. And, um, and then my parents chose to move us to the big city when we were just before we started uh, middle school. I think that they, they just thought that they, you know, my dad really wanted us to, to experience living in a bigger, bigger city. Oh, wow. So, so growing up, uh, what were you into as a kid? <laughs> um, I think everything that people would stereotypically think that I was into, um, I was into playing in the dirt. We we lived next to a farm, and I would harass the cows and 
you know, um, the horses and sort of like get lost in barns and, and I would go, you know, owl hunting and, um, where not real owl hunting, but, um, where we would just go hunt gray owls and try and find them in the barns and the barn owls and, um, and just, you know, find them, like not actually hunt them. That sounded so, so (laughs) terrible, but, um, um, and, you know, but also, you know, played with, Barbies and played, you know, swam in the river and just had a real um, wholesome sort of very boring upbringing. There's nothing wrong with that. I I actually lived on a farm for a year in Greece, so I know all about it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. It was it was honestly, you know, my childhood is so, um, so important for my career as an actor because it really inspired my imagination from such a young age because we live so far away from friends and granted we played with friends and stuff but for the most part my mom always said just go just go outside I don't want to see you till dinner time and she would just we would go play and use our imagination and I was constantly you know pretending like I was a pirate in the treehouse and running around with my brother and building forts and you know all these all the things that, that I look back on so fondly, but that it was such so fiercely um, important for my imagination as a child. Hmm. That's interesting. So when you were growing up, did you know you wanted to get into the acting world? Oh, God, no. No, I was <laughs> um, I was an athlete for many years, um, and I was a swimmer, and that was just my plan. You know, I had always planned on, um, at the very least, swimming in college. And, you know, I had these, you know, grand aspirations that were probably pipe dreams of, you know, Olympic dreams in my future, but for sure I would have swum in college and, and, um, but I got hurt and it's sort of that, and that was at 15 and I really had to sort of reevaluate what I was going to do. I didn't want to go, I didn't want to go to college unless I was swimming. Um, I was never a great student. Um, I didn't really enjoy, uh, school very much. Um, Um, and so I was looking for something that would get me out of, um, my town and to sort of be creative. And, and it just, it's, it honestly, I fell into it. Um, but my mom always was looking back that, you know, I was the kid that was two years old with tap shoes on dancing on the kitchen (laughs) table. So it sort of, I feel like was inevitable that I would end up where I'm at. When you told your parents you wanted to get to acting, how did that go? Um, I think when I first started telling them at 15, I think they thought that I was just, you know, I I was a kid where my goals and my career goals changed every day. Um, And I think when I sat on something, I think when I started asking for furniture for birthdays and Christmases and plates, that they went, oh, she's really leaving. And by the time I left home, I had an entire one bedroom U-Haul filled with, with, uh, um, hand-me-down clothes, like furniture and plates and all enough to furnish an entire one. But I was the only 18-year-old that moved to Los Angeles with an entire one-bedroom house filled with furniture wow. <laughs> because I'd, I'd started collecting. And I think when that happened, I think my parents went, oh, this is happening. <laughs> so how did, you, how did you get started in acting? So my mom um, had found, and I... I did plays in high school for fun, but um, my mom had found an ad in a paper to be Kirsten Dunst's body double in a Lifetime movie she was doing. And my mom was like, just get out of the house. It was right after my injury. And she was like, just go do something. Um, And so I went there. She took me down and and 
Kirsten and I have very different body types, so it didn't work at all. But the woman had said, you know, can you act? And, and I thought, of course, I'm at this, I'm bulletproof at 15. I was like, of course I can. <laughs> and um, she sent me home with some sides and I went back like the next day and my mom helped me memorize and I got the part. And that taft heart lead me into the union. And for anyone who knows anything about SAG, um, that was instrumental in my career because basically I didn't have to work to get into the union. The producers paid a, a fine and just got me into the union wow. um, because they wanted me for the part. Um, and it was just, it was the jumping off point for my career because the director of that lifetime movie convinced my mom to bring me to LA and introduced me to my manager and agent. And my agent is still my manager today. And that was over 20 years ago. Wow. Now, did you take any acting yeah. classes after that? I didn't. Um, so I absolutely didn't. I went to one acting class and, you know, I'm sure it was just the wrong class, but I went to an acting class where they, um, subscribe to the notion that you need to break people down and tear them down to build them back up. And I, at 17, thought that that was the biggest load of horse shit that I'd ever heard and decided that the best acting class was going to be working and actually working. And, you know, at the end of the day, what I always equate my career to and, and my level of, of acting to was always just compulsive lying. Like, that's what acting is to me, is that if you can convince another person of an emotion or something that happened, you're acting. So it was just it was just finding a way to convince people that what I was saying was the truth. Um, And so I I just, you know, set out to I I was constantly doing scenes at my house. I'd memorize, you know, scenes from movies and do them in the mirror. And um, and that was that was really the only thing I did. What were some of the favorite like some of your favorite movies? (laughs) <laughs> and Die Hard was always a big one. <laughs> Everybody. Um, yeah, Alien was a big one. Um, I was a big fan of, um, God, what movies was I a fan of as a kid that I would actually memorize? Um, I did a lot of, like, Meg Ryan movies. Um, um, did a lot of her movies. Um, what other things did I do? I was a big Clueless was a big one. I memorized like everything from Clueless. Heather's was a big one. I did Heather's as well. So, so I would go through these movies and I would memorize monologues and I would, I would see if I could do deliver the monologue the same way. Mm. Um, and so I think the beginning of my career was pretty much just faking it mm. um, until I learned that I was actually acting. <laughs> That's interesting. So like I mentioned earlier, you know, the listeners know you from, of course, Battlestar Galactica, like, while you were growing up, were you like into the whole like sci-fi thing at all? I was. My dad raised me on science fiction. You know, okay. Dad and I had this like love of film together because he he made me his little buddy and was showing me inappropriate movies from the time I was like six. And I was watching like Predator and Alien and, you know, Lethal Weapon and like these movies that you should never Jaws, movies yeah. you should never show a child. Forbidden Planet was my, is my dad's favorite movie and we watched it over and over and over again. Um, and so he, he sort of taught me from a very young age that this is all fantasy. And, um, um, so I really did get into this business and the the jobs that I chose when I actually had the luxury to start having an opinion about the jobs that I took, um, were very much geared toward what my dad would want to watch because that's what I did growing up was watch movies with my dad. Hmm. 
So like the so the fans call you like a sci-fi icon and a goddess. Like how does that make you feel? <laughs> um, <laughs> I think the character is. Yeah. You know, I think the character is. I think the character of Starbucks was was incredibly uh, instrumental in the change of empowerment in women in film. Um, but I don't think that I was. I think that I was just the the person that was in the right place at the right time that was lucky enough to get the job yeah. you know yeah so do, do you agree like the like Battlestar is like more popular like now than it was back then 100 percent. yeah it, it continues to just grow legs you know and and it's just I don't think that there is an end in sight to that show um you know especially since they're they're you know bringing it back again um within that world I think that it could only just you know, inspire more people to go back and watch the original. Yeah. Um, again, well, not the original, the the first remake again. Hmm. Do you remember your audition for that? Oh my god, I do. Yeah, no, I auditioned like seven times for it. Really? Um, oh my god, so many times. I when I first got into this business because I was petite and blonde, um, and seventeen. Everybody pigeonholed me into ditzy blonde roles, and I played the. Sh- the crap out of ditzy blonde bimbos that you'd like you really wanted like i i died in halloween i got my head cut off and people like (laughs) cheered in the theater like those are the characters i played like just dumb 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 blonde and um i was so excited when when battlestar sort of like you know came into my hands i read this and i was like this i mean this you gotta be kidding me i have a chance at this and they were like well you have an audition and the, the role was written for somebody that was about 10 years older than me um, and absolutely not who I was. But, you know, I went to my first audition in heels because, you know, that's what I did. Like I always wore heels and I went in in heels and a pair of jeans and a T-shirt, I think. And and um, I did my reading and I thought I did a great job. And then they passed and I was like, no, no. No, just give me another shot. So I went back and I convinced them to see me again. They were like, she's too young and she's just not tough enough. Um, And so I was like, okay. And so every single time I just kept like hanging on by a thread in these auditions and they just kept moving me forward and moving me forward. And then my final screen test was actually against Grace Park. Um, We both tested for Starbucks. Um, And... um, um, it was just, you know, it was just one of those things. I was in the, like I said, I was in the right place at the right time. And, and one of the producer's ex-wives was actually watching. Um, they've told this story many times. They were watching the audition tapes and fast forward, which is what they do. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they literally watch them and fast forward because there's so many people. And um, she walked by the screen and he was, had been lamenting about how he, you know, hadn't, they couldn't find Starbucks and she walked by the, the screen and pointed at the screen and went, what are you talking about? That's her right there. And it was me. Jeez. And he was like, what? And he stopped the tape and actually watched it. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So all these, like, cause I was, like I said, I did some research on you and like all these forms and everything. Let's put the, let's put it like, what do you say? Like the word, like rest, of, not rest in peace, but like your character. She died. Yeah. Right? She died. Right. Because <laughs> everybody's well, yeah, like, I mean, it's been 15 years yeah. at this point. I feel like if you haven't seen it, like you need, like, there's no spoiler. You can't hold yeah. spoilers for 20 years. Yeah. But yeah, no, she she was not 
she was not the same character at the end that she was in the beginning by no means. Um, you know, she was just, she was a different, a different entity. Um, and she was absolutely not Starbuck anymore. Starbuck died. So now, so now you star on Netflix as another life. How's that compared to going from Battlestar to that? Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it's, I'm, I, it took me a long time to want to do science fiction again. You yeah. know, um, once you, you hit something out of the park like Battlestar, you can't just go back to sci-fi. Yeah. I mean, that was my biggest fear is that I go back to sci-fi and it's terrible. Yeah. Um, and so I took time off. I went and, you know, did um, a Western for seven years and that had a great time on Longmire and, you know, just like really got to play like a normal person yeah. for a change and then when when the opportunity came up to produce my own show at Netflix, I was ready to go into sci-fi again. But I wasn't, I didn't want to do Battlestar Galactica 2.0. That was never my intention. I wanted to create something that was much more akin to what my dad and I would have watched when I was a kid, which is popcorn television you know something that you truly have to suspend your disbelief to to get into and enjoy you know i think that so much of the time now in television and in film we're looking for things to be metaphors for the human condition and not everything has to be so heavy you know some things can just be popcorn yeah you know, and not have to make sense and not have to, to be this or be that or be some exquisite form of, you know, um, higher learning in creativity. It's just it it can just be fun to watch. And that's what we we set out to create with another life with something that was fun to watch. And it is. Yeah. How are you? So how are you approached for this show? Um. So I had been going or uh, making the rounds produce or pitching a show that I created called rain. Um, and in the middle of pitching that my producing partner unexpectedly passed away. And so I shelved that project out of respect. Um, and just sort of, for me, it just felt like that had run its course and I was done with that. And I just wanted to sort of put it to bed. Um, and, um, um, in the process, though, I think that what it did was it made all these networks start thinking about me in a creative producer sort of way. Yeah. And when the option came up to go do sci-fi at Netflix and, and produce the show, um, I, you know, it, thankfully, my name was in the hat um, and and I got that opportunity, which is great. Wow. Now, for the listeners that haven't watched the show yet without spoiling it, can you tell what it's about? Absolutely. So it's pretty easy. An alien artifact lands on Earth, and we don't know if it's good or bad. And my character is sent out into space to determine the origin of the artifact. And she is tasked with, she is a retired astronaut, military-based astronaut. And she is tasked with leading this very young crew into space to determine what the origin of the artifact is. Mm. And everything goes wrong. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's that's how it's supposed to be, right? It's how it's supposed <laughs> to be. It's one of the things. So, one of the creative choices I made when when we were talking about this show is that I wanted to create cryotubes because if you're sending a crew of people out into space to save the world, you're yeah. not going to just send ten people. You're going to send replacements for those ten people. So, what I loved about that was that it provided us 
the opportunity to not only bring in actors potentially for shorter periods of time, because every character on this show, including myself, is replaceable. We all have backups in cryo sleep. And that's what I love is that no one's safe. This isn't a show where it's 10 people on the ship that are no one's ever going to die. And I love that. I love that you never know what's going to happen. What can you tell us about your character that you play? Uh, Nico, like I said, is, is military, but she's a retired astronaut and, um, she was second in command, um, years ago on a ship that exploded and she lost a lot of her crew. Um, and so she retired and decided to become a teacher. Um, so she's basically a teacher at like NASA, if you will. And when this artifact lands on earth, she's sort of pulled out of retirement and forced to go by the military to lead this crew. Um, she leaves behind a husband who's a scientist and a seven-year-old daughter. And, and she realizes that the, the best and only way to protect her family is to leave them and go figure out what, what's out there and what the threat really is. Hmm. How did you like, how did you prepare for the role? Like, did you do like any kind of research for that? No, you know, you know, my acting style is so heavily sort of, um, existing in fantasy and make-believe. Um, that for myself, I do absolutely do research 100%. I make sure I'm prepared as far as what the character is going through emotionally and, and any expertise that my character has, I definitely prepare for. Yeah. Um, but I'm not going to go study at NASA yeah, is what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, like yeah. I, yeah. Um, I'm not smart enough. They'd turn me away and like laugh. Um, <laughs> so, um, I, I definitely, for me, you know, our characters get woken up straight out of cryo sleep. So for me, one of the things that I really wanted to focus on was I wanted my character physically to look um, depleted and um, dehydrated and, and sort of um, very sinewy. And for myself, I naturally sit about, you know, 10, 15 pounds heavier than where I got mm-hmm. down to for the show. But it was really important to me because I knew the first image that people were going to see of this show was that. And I really wanted to make sure that it sold who this woman was. Um, And I wanted them to see the muscle and the strength and the fatigue and all of these things in a, in a, in a visual. Hmm. Um, So for me, that was incredibly difficult. And, you know, and then I just trying to put myself in the shoes of a mother was really hard. You know, I don't have kids. And for me, that was, it was really hard for me to understand how a woman could leave a child to protect a child. Um, And that, that understanding took me the longest actually. And it was a conversation that I had with my mom. Um, And my mom, my mom was the one that said to me, sometimes the best thing you can do for your children is to walk away from them to protect them. And, and she said, and parents make those hard decisions every day. Mm. And it was interesting talking to my mom about it. So, um, but that's, pretty much how I prepared for it. And then just being in the writer's room and, you know, having a hand in casting and all that fun stuff was really cool. Yeah. My next question was actually like, how much fun are you having being like producing the show? (laughs) It's a lot of fun. Um, It's a lot of work, um, but it is absolutely a lot of fun. You know, I mean, I, for me, it's just an evolution of sort of my, my career and sort of felt like the next step for myself was, to learn a bit more and to really sort of be like a sponge. And I'm learning so much from, you know, the, the producers on the show, like Noreen Halpern is, is a seasoned producer and she's really been helping me along the way. And, and, um, 
I'm just having a great time. Mm-hmm. And I did just see yesterday that it got picked up for another season, right? Yeah, we did. We definitely got picked up for a second season, which is awesome. So um, that's great. That's yeah. great. When Especially is... since there's construction going on at my house. I can now pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> when is uh, that going to start filming? Uh, I don't, not till early next year, for sure, just because if we were to start now, we'd have so many breaks of holidays that it just didn't make sense. So, yeah. so we'll start next year, for sure. So you mentioned earlier The Flash. I love The Flash, by, by the way. And you have a recurring oh, role. You have a recurring role as Amunet. How, how fun has it been playing that character in that universe? She is by far the funnest character I've ever played because she's insane. Like, I've never played like crazy wackadoo crazy before and that she is like she and she's an opportunist which is really great she's not evil she's not good she's just she's very much an opportunistic person and sort of you know she's all about making money (laughs) um and um and that's what i love about her is that she's just um she's really fun and nothing's off the table with her you know i could do anything i want and it, it makes sense for Emunet. You know, I was talking yeah. to the writers about, I had this dream and I had this thought that was very funny. You know, she says at one point that Norvok is her third favorite henchman. And we know that Killer Frost is her first. And I was like, well, who's her second favorite henchman? What, where's that guy? Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, we should do an entire episode with Emunet holding a baby. <laughs> and she never even acknowledges the fact that she's holding this baby until the very end. You realize that she's babysitting for her second favorite henchman because she needed him for a job. And this is the only way she could get her second favorite henchman back. So, and I know it sounds ridiculous and out, like, like it, totally unrealistic, but it totally works for Amunet and the flash. And so yeah. I think that's sort of, I think it's exactly who she is, is mm-hmm. someone that would babysit a, a henchman's child <laughs> to pull them out of retirement. And, and most of your scenes are with Danielle. How would you like, how would you describe the chemistry with you two? I absolutely, I adore Danielle so much. I love working with her. Um, she's really, really fun. I love the killer frost and, and the, actually I really like the Caitlin yeah. um, storyline more. I love that. How Amunet just seems to want to like, um, you know, be a mentor for, um for caitlin um but i i also this episode is mostly myself and iris which is really fun i'm really excited to yeah i'm really excited to work with candace for a chance or a change do you think we're going to see you in more than one episode this year well that's the thing when you play a henchman or you know a, a baddie that never dies is that they can always bring you back right yeah you're right about that. so maybe yeah so um I did read that. Uh, oh, first of all, how did you get into the whole voiceover world? How did you get into that? Yeah, it, it was honestly just by chance. You know, I um, Seth Green had asked the cast of Battlestar Galactica to come in and, and you know, play themselves in a sketch. And um, while we were in there, they had us play some extra characters. And one of the characters they asked me to play was Bitch Puddin'. And it just sort of, happened that way and she became a fan favorite and then from that came became you know all of a sudden video games started popping up and yeah. then you know uh star wars popped up in bo katan and and so it just sort of like keeps coming now which is great you know um i i really enjoy it and i get to play characters that that you you don't know if you ever get to play them in reality you yeah. know i mean bo katan was as far as i was concerned the closest i was ever going to get to star wars which it was to me i was like awesome 
Like, you know, I'll do I'll do an animated version of Star Wars. Come on. Who and, wouldn't? Yeah. And it's it's coming back, right? The Clone Wars? It is coming back. Clone Wars is coming back, yeah. So so that'll be really fun. Yeah. We, and you never know, now that with Disney Plus coming out, they're doing all those Star Wars uh, series. Yeah, you never know. You might get a call. <laughs> you so, never know. Yeah. So out of all the roles you've portrayed, which one is the yeah. which one was the like your favorite one that you've done? You know what's funny? I, I have been so blessed to play so many amazing characters, you know? Um yeah. I think everything I've ever done is a character. Um and I I honestly can't pick you know i mean they're they all have aspects of them that are my favorite for some reason um but but i i don't think there is one Mm. i really don't it's interesting um would you ever want to do a sitcom like would you ever want to get (laughs) would you ever want to get into the uh, into the comedy world um yeah of course i would i you know it's funny because um the only time i've been allowed to do comedy is like overtly crazy comedy so like when i did an episode of workaholics and played like you know a drug addicted homeless woman um with adam divine which was really fun and then when i played myself in in big Big bang Bang, theory yeah Yeah. so i mean it's it's something that you know i would absolutely love to do more but this business has a hard time letting you out of your box yeah so you know you never know you never know uh yeah Tell us about your YouTube channel that you started. Yeah, well, like I said in the beginning, it was honestly um, so many people in the last five, six years have been reaching out to me about things that I didn't honestly think that I I knew much about, like m- what motivates me and, and, you know, how I, you know, work out at the gym and what kind of food I eat and yeah. how I take care of myself and how I stay positive all the time, seemingly, and, and all of these things. And then I realized that social media was not, in my opinion, the right place to talk about those things um, because it felt, in a sense, sort of work-related um, and you know, at the time it's like 140 characters on Twitter. How do you explain to someone what motivates you? Yeah. Um, so, so I was always looking for a way to branch out of that. And the, you know, people have been talking to me about doing a YouTube channel and being funny on YouTube and doing funny things on YouTube. And, and I really didn't know what I wanted to do, but then I started talking to my producing partner, Robin Gadsby a lot more last year And, um, he was like, well, you know, and we just started brainstorming what it would look like purely just as friends at that point. And it really sort of, I realized that there was, um, there was a space on YouTube where we could create episodes that were fun to watch that had a message and, and really sort of gave people what they were asking for me to give them which was a piece of myself, but also those little bits of motivation and, and how I live a whole life and, and wellness and, and um, mental health and all of these things that, that we sort of like touch on on the YouTube channel. Um, it's been really great. And we decided to break it down into three seasons of 10 every year. So it, 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 it fits with the rest of my workload. Um, and it's been really great. The, the feedback has been fantastic. We've grown over 600% in like the last 
you know, couple months. Um, And we're just coming up with season two now and trying to figure out what, what we want to sort of do for season two, which is really fun. It just, it was just sort of a, a natural sort of, it, 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 at first it felt like it was going to be a stretch for me to figure out how to do this and let people into my life. And then I realized that once we started that there was a lot of knowledge that I may not have myself, but that I have, I could be a conduit for. Um, And so that we could actually do episodes about how alcohol affects your body and do it in a funny way and uh, how I train for this and, and, you know, doing things that scare you and how you eat on a budget and what kind of healthy foods are good for you and, and, and suicide prevention and all of these different topics were in season one. Hmm. Um, And so it, it, it's been really fun and and Robin and I are just trying to figure out what to do for season two now. Hmm. So when you're not doing the YouTube channel and you're not working on your downtime, what do you enjoy doing? <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty similar to everything else. It's I it's been a lot of time um, working out. I love being outside and being physically active. Um, I love challenging my my body and my mental state to to push past my limits and do things that I didn't think I was capable of. Um, so I spend a lot of time doing that sort of thing, and and then I. I've got three dogs that I spend tons of time with and, and um, hang out with my boyfriend and, and sort of, you know, um, do all of those things. Love to cook. Um, I'm obsessed with travel. Um, you know, we're hoping to do some YouTube episodes about travel because um, I really, really absolutely, like if in a perfect world, I, if I could figure out what I was going to do for the rest of my life, it would be find ways to work out and travel for the rest of my life and be paid for it. <laughs> I don't think that's possible, but <laughs> you never, you never know. A girl can dream. Yeah. Uh, so where do you see yourself like 10 to 20 years from now? Um, you know, I have no idea. I have absolutely no idea. You know, um, I know where I see myself tomorrow Yeah. and I know where I see myself next week. Um, but I, you know, I used to live in the future when I was younger because I, I was so worried that I would make a mistake and miss out on something or that I wouldn't achieve enough. Um, and I realized the older I get, the more important it is to, to, you can plan for the future, but you really, really, really have to live now. So I have absolutely no idea what's going to happen hmm. and where I want to be and what's yeah. going to, what my life's going to look like. And there's nothing wrong with that either. Yeah. Every day's a new day. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's been a, it's for me it's been a, a big help for my sort of my mental health um, and the pressure I always put on myself to succeed to take a step back and really just focus on right now. Mm-hmm. Is there a, any other like other projects that you have coming out that you can tell us about? I I can't tell you about okay. them. But yeah. <laughs> There yeah. definitely are, and yeah. there, it's um, I'm I'm over the moon excited and just like That's ecstatic awesome. and and can't wait to talk about it at some point. But I have signed the biggest non-disclosure yeah. agreement of my life, and um, um, my mouth is staying right. shut for we'll, now. We'll have to get you back on just to talk about those. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and lastly, uh, how can the listeners uh, find you on social media? So um, I've got those 
real creative handles because someone else has mine. So I am uh, the real Katie Sackoff on Instagram. I think I'm just Katie Sackoff on Twitter and um, and the YouTube channel, which is uh, something that I think everyone should check out. It's really fun. Is just um, Katie Sackoff TV right mm-hmm. now, and um, uh, we're we're really excited about it. Katie, this was a blast. Thank you for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. I truly appreciate it. Thanks.